Being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560 The Source. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Steve Horvath, Gino's Auto Service, Larry Unger answering phones, Charlie Grimes, your engineer. Dan Muir is still hanging around with us because he had a question on I did. disposals. So, so now we're back to fix it radio. That's okay. We're okay, fine. so yeah, so we're looking at putting in a, a garbage disposal in the sink, right? And so they got all these different options, and it's like I had no idea which one to get. And so I thought, since I'm going to be seeing you and you're the fix well, it radio guy, you might give me some ideas. I will give you a different opinion than probably most will because I am one of these guys that because A – I have a septic system, which changes some things. Oh, yeah. But really, uh, truth be told, and most plumbers will even tell you this, that the majority of people put far too much stuff down a garbage disposal in the first place. A garbage disposal should only be there to handle some of the small things that you can't take off of your plate and put into the garbage in the first place. Outside of that, you really shouldn't be putting much down the disposal, period. So I'm one that says... Less is better. In other words, you don't need to go spend a bunch of money and get a three-quarter horse garbage disposal because the reality is you shouldn't be putting much down it in the first place. Okay, we get because there is a huge price difference. Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. And, you know, pretty much we wanted it for that reason is that, you know, you get the the catches, you know, the screen catches all this little crap. Then you spend half your night cleaning out the screen, putting it into the garbage. And really what you should be doing technically is taking the plate. And, again, I've done this for so long because I've had septic now for – 20 plus years so really what you do is you you paint on where your trash can's at you take the plate and if you've got a bunch of excess things on it you go over to the trash can and you take your fork or knife and you scrape everything off into the trash can and then you go over and you rinse the plate off and you finish off whatever you need to do and boom done handled and hardly anything's going down the drain in the first place yeah and, and the and point that's pretty much what and, we do and the we point of the plumbers what they will tell you is will the garbage disposal take all of that items so Let's say it's, you know, some leftover fruit, some celery, some pasta, whatever the case. Will it grind all of that up? Yes. The garbage disposal will do fine at grinding it up. The problem is most houses and the majority of the pipes in the house will not handle those things going through them. And that's where Uh, your clogs and other things can actually come from is from that, not how finely ground the garbage disposal got it. So then, so that, that makes a big good point too, because then you got to make sure that when you're doing the piping that attaches your disposal, that you're hooking it up properly so that you can get good flow back. And cleaning all of that out probably at the same time, because typically you're going to probably reuse the piping that's there. Most will. If that's the case, then yeah, make sure that that's good and clean and you'll go to another sink if you can and flush all that out good before you actually reinstall all of it. Okay, but I'm one that says put less in, which is better because then you're not tempted to put more down the disposal than you should. Good point. Thank and you. There are there that are some, there's actually some plumbers out there that will tell you don't put a garbage disposal in at all because then it really forces you to make sure you don't oh. put anything down it. <laughs> it does, and it's a pain in the butt. It is. <laughs> it's it a is. huge pain in the butt. But those of those of you out there listening that live on septic like I do, this becomes very you know normal part of what you do in life because you just don't put much down it anyways because with a septic system you're in charge of your own 
waste essentially at that point. So you don't want to put anything down at that. A, you don't need to, and B, that would, you know, uh, contaminate your your you know your septic tank and leach field. Now, food will not do that. You know, typically there are some that probably are harder on it than others. But you know, I have to be careful even when you just go to regular chemicals and cleaning chemicals and things like that. You got to be careful what you put down because all that can kill the bacteria in the septic tank. Oh, that's a good point. Do do a lot of people in this area have septic tanks? Depends, or is it just, depends it, on it, where really, you are. Really? Okay. Anybody listening to us right now that lives probably on the you know, eastern side of town, some folks that live even up north in some of the uh, more rural areas. And what I mean by rural is, if, you know, there's a lot of houses even up in the, you know, Boulder County, Weld County, Jefferson County, Douglas County. If they're on an acre or more and they, they were away from the city when things got built— they're probably on septic because septic is you know, you have septic when there was no sewer line installed in in your you know in your neighborhood in your area. Okay, it makes total sense. So now let's say there's a lot of rental properties out there now, Airbnbs, things like that, where people are renting out their homes. Mm-hmm. It would probably be a really good idea if you have a septic system to let the people renting know yes. how to treat things going down. The yes, drain. I have signs in all of our bathrooms that say these are the only things allowed down the toilet. Uh- or allowed down the sink, or and even in my house now, just so when guests come and such, I've got signs all through even mine now, so that people know that even you know even relatives that would come and stay that don't have you know a septic system wouldn't know not to put X down the toilet. Absolutely. Well, now I understand why when I need to go to the bathroom at your house, you have me go to the gas station. That's right. Because <laughs> so. you can't put anything down. It. <laughs> no, in fact, you even 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 for me, when you buy toilet paper, you have to watch the package because it'll say either septic safe or not. Oh. You can't use non-septic safe toilet paper because it won't dispose of break down properly in the in the septic tank that's really good to know so there yeah and, and i wonder you, if a lot of people know that. you learn a lot of things when you're on septic than when you're not yeah, and, and so it's not bad by the way yeah so if you're moving into the area and you're looking at a place maybe a place like that and you're you, not familiar with septic you, you better, better do your research, yeah, your research. yeah it's not good. like being you know living on a yeah you bring up a great point we actually talk about this more on even fix it radio because yeah a lot of folks that have come in here that are transplants from other areas that may be moving into a house with septic that they've never had it before it's not the same as having sewer no and you got a lot of people moving into the area that are strictly from urban areas i mean you know densely right, urban right areas. no you're correct no yeah. that's great great reminder i'll do that i'll, okay. I'll put some things together and Sounds talk good. about that so that's a good reminder good. so well take this call then i got one more question okay. all right we'll do it mickey, mickey's got a war movie mickey what's going on sir uh john uh uh, two favorite war movies and a comment on that 20, I think it was a 2011 Dodge Ram. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, there's a Chrysler issued a service Bolton to address a service four-wheel drive light. And uh, it shuts down four-wheel drive capability, but it's a software issue. can only be corrected by flashing computer memory. Gotcha. Hmm. Yep. And it's not free. And, and no, no, not on 2011. It would not be. Yeah, that would be a paid upgrade. You're correct. Okay, two favorite war movies. Um, well, kind of favorite. Total opposites. Bridge on the River Kwai. Yep, yeah, good one. Good movie. Love that one. And Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Love. That they one. are the opposites. Yes, they are totally you, opposites. You are correct, and they're very. They're both very good movies, but uh, yeah, they are the opposites, Mickey. I don't think you get much opposite between those two. Yeah. Well, I saw the, both of them as, growing up, and yeah, world of difference. I haven't seen Apocalypse Now in years. And, it's a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably have to bring my tent, my sleeping bag, and camp <laughs> out because it's kind of a, a slow movie. Kind of. <laughs> well, what does he say? Long. What's that line he says? I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, it is a slow movie. You got to admit, you got to you got to bring your sleeping bag. You're going to watch that one. And, and but, don't be, don't drink or be depressed when you watch it because uh, you won't come out well. That's true. Uh, but yeah. There's a line in the uh, the other movie, Bridge Over the River Kwai, where William Holden's character says uh, he's practicing to jump out of the planes. And he says to the British officers, is that with or without parachute? You know, <laughs> it's the greatest line. I always like this. That's good. That's, That's really good. It is good. Mickey, always enjoy talking to you, sir. Thank you, sir. You bet. Have a great weekend, sir, and I appreciate it. Lines are open, by the way, and that is the question of the day. What's your favorite war movie in honor of Memorial Day this weekend? 303-477-5600. What else you got? Hey, can I just do a selfless plug? Sure. So years ago, you and I made a Memorial Day special that we used to run on Rush to Reason on Memorial Day, and Charlie's running that over uh, the weekend on uh, Remembering History, The Quest cool. for Truth. Charlie, what times does that run on the weekend? Is Charlie sitting there? Oh, 5 p.m. today and tomorrow. So if you want some, it, they're just great interviews. It's timeless material. So uh, please tune in and Very listen cool. to that. Okay, so I got a question. There's been a debate going around. Mm-hmm. So about two weeks ago, I had a, um, a nail hit the inside wall of my wheel. The, okay. Okay. And how it got there, I have no idea. And so it couldn't be fixed. So Do you, you want to know how? How? I have no idea how it got oh, there. Okay. It was on the inside. I have no idea. So for those of you listening, and a lot of folks don't know this, but a radial tire, which we've had now for eons with steel belts, that tire rolling down the road, believe it or not, will create a little bit of magnetism. No kidding? Yeah, and that's why tires, radial tires especially, will pick up nails and screws and different things along those lines that the old bias, you know, the old bias ply tires prior yeah. would not because of that. That that could be it. So I, it'll, I do they'll actually suck in you know things that you wouldn't otherwise think because we couldn't be there. find it at first. We couldn't figure out why the tire was going. Well, finally they put it up in the air and then there it was. Yep. You know the nail sticking yep. on the inside. So okay, so the thing of it was that with an all-wheel drive car, you have to get all four tires changed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, especially what, if one of them's worn down. Yes. Yeah, and they were. I mean, they were. Yes. They had about fifty, sixty. If they're over half, or even gosh, if there's even. Uh, depending upon the vehicle, I, I, sh- I should not make a blanket statement. It really depends on the vehicle. Some are more critical than others. But, yeah, if you're you know, w- well over half gone, yeah, you have to go yeah. for So Because everybody was telling me, oh, you only need two, you only need two. You know, people that – but the car guy said, well, he's just trying to sell you extra tires. Explain why that's important. I knew it was important, but explain why that's important. Well, and th- folks listening, this is true. Um, really, it doesn't – we used to say it was it was really only uh, an issue if you had a two-wheel drive car, you know, front-wheel drive only car. Now there's so many all-wheel drive cars running around today that on any all-wheel drive vehicle, all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive vehicle, all tires have to match, period. There is some claim, and there's been a lot of debate over this for years, and I used to be one of those that used to say, nah, you don't think it makes any difference one way or the other. But, you know, they've done a lot of testing, you know, whether that be skid pad, all-weather, things like that, where they have really over time proven that even on a front-wheel drive only vehicle – Having all four tires matching, they're equal. It has to do with ABS braking. It has to do with the traction control. There's a lot of things now going on on a vehicle where having all those tires matching is really as important on a two-wheel drive vehicle as it is on a all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive vehicle. And then what would that do also? Let's say that you did just put on two fresh tires, and let's say you had two tires that were, I don't know, half or a quarter used up. What happens when you start doing the rotating of those tires, and now you've got... This fresh tire and then this little one tire on the other side. and Would that mess things up? On an all-wheel drive vehicle, uh, let me – and I go back a few weeks. An all-wheel drive vehicle has a device in the drivetrain. It depends on the vehicle and how they've done their four-wheel drive mechanism or their all-wheel drive mechanism. But there is a device that allows slippage 
Typically, we call it a viscous coupler. But there is a device that allows slippage from the front wheels to the back wheels. Because everybody forgets that when you go around a corner, the outer wheels are traveling a farther distance than the inside wheels. That's why when you run track, most of you can be familiar with this. When you run track, everybody that starts a track meet is staggered. Why? Because the circle is not the same distance on the outer circle as it is on the inner circle. So if you want everybody to finish at the finish line at the same time or the same length, then you have to stagger how they start because the guy on the outside, he gets to start way ahead. Why? Because he's running around the outer end of the ring versus the inner end of the ring. The same is true with your vehicle. Those tires that are on the outer end, if you're turning left, that would be the right side tires. If you're turning right, that would be the left side tires. They are traveling a farther distance. Now, that also gets compounded when you talk front to back because there's even a difference, a differential, if you would. That's why we call them differentials. There's a differential between the front and the rear in in that distance that it's traveling. So the drivetrain has to have the ability to differentiate between those distances that are being traveled so we allow for some slippage the same is true in all-wheel drive vehicle what what really starts to happen is if you don't do all the same size tires especially on an all-wheel drive slash four-wheel drive vehicle that slippage is occurring all of the time and it's just putting more wear and tear on the drivetrain than you need to that's why we want them all to match okay and it so With that being said, then it is really important to follow the manufacturer's guidelines on getting the fluids changed in those components. And in some cases, more than what the factory tells you. Okay. There are some components, and I did some research on this the other day for a listener where you take some of the smaller Ford SUVs, for example, where they've literally, they are literally in some cases, the, the differential units in some of these are holding a pint or less of fluid. A pint. That's not much. No. It's not much at all. It's not. And to have the factory tell you that, oh, yeah, that interval is X, um, uh, well, no, it's in real-world conditions, it's not. You so the, need to uh, change that a lot more often than what I the mean, factory's so, telling okay, you. Okay, so let me ask you this. So what happens when the oil breaks down? What causes the, the fluid to break down? No, oh, great question. Heat. Okay. Heat and friction. So friction creates the heat. So every, every gear train component out there, whether it be engine, transmission, differential, your brakes, anytime you've got... Uh, surfaces rubbing together, you're creating friction. Friction creates heat. Okay, I don't know what all of the physics are behind right, that. I just know sense. that's how it works. Rub your hands together. Yeah, right? rub, yeah, exactly. Rub your hands together. They get you know, you're cold outside. You rub them together, yeah. and it creates heat. So that's what friction does. So what happens in fluid is that heat will then break down the heat and the cold both, but the heat especially will break down the additives and the things that are inside of the fluid itself, and it's picking up contaminants because, with the exception of your engine. There's not a component on a vehicle that has a filter that really does anything. Yes, transmissions have filters, but they're really more of a screen. Think of your drain example the other, oh, yeah. you know, just a few minutes ago, we we're talking yeah. about the garbage disposals. Right. Well, your engine has an oil filter that would then take that drain, run it through a filtration process, much like a water filter. So when okay. you, you have a well water and you've got, you know, kind of this maybe brownish looking water that's coming out of the well because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of of uh, sediments, and, sediments stuff, yeah. and there's uh, iron and yeah. things like that that are in it. So we use a filtration system. So at the other end, the water's coming out nice and crystal clear because the filter's taking all those contaminants out. That's what an oil filter and engine basically does, by the way, folks. It's taking all those contaminants, putting it into the filter itself, into the media, and allowing clean oil then to run through the, through the engine. That's the only place on a vehicle we have that going on. That's it? No other components have a filtration system like that on them. 
We don't have that in a differential. We don't have it in a transmission. We don't have it in your cooling system. We don't have it inside of the transfer case. All the rest of those components I just mentioned, they may have little screens or some devices to help take some big particulates out, like a differential have a big magnet, by the way, down inside of it that takes some of the big particulates and sticks it to the magnet. But otherwise, there's no cleaning of the fluid itself in those other systems. Okay, so that brings up one more question, and that <laughs> but, is... By the way, that's why you change the fluid, is to get rid of those contaminants, put new fluid in, because there's no filter. There's no filtration. Yeah. It's like having a sink full of dirty water. The only way to get that water clean is to take all the water out. You know, you drain it, you then rinse out the sink, you then put fresh water in, and now the water's nice and clean. That's the same as it is on a differential, a transfer case, a cooling system, or any other components besides the engine. Okay, so then that gives me brings up one more question here. With the transmission system, I, I, I don't know all the different components. You said there's the transfer case, the differential. Then is there an actual like fluids for the transmission itself that should be changed out? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then how often do you think that should be done? I mean, the car's got almost 90,000 miles. Depends on, on the vehicle, depends on the driver, depends on what you're doing as a driver. Okay. That's you know, where You know how I drive. Well, I've got yeah, and in foot. your case, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of highway yeah. you know, in town, but it really is kind of more highway-ish. So you know, you're going to be able to go a further distance than most people would otherwise. Uh, in, in a maintenance schedule. And by the way, everybody listening, this is why it's very important to have a relationship with a Josh at Legacy or a Jeff at JC's or Ken at Tech or yes, Dorsey at Arvada or Steve at Geno's yes. or the guys at Extreme. It's important because why? Because they do everything I just mentioned. What are you driving? How are you driving? Where are you driving? How often are we able to see you? I mean, these are all the things that a provider is going to ask that no offense, the quick lubes and so on are not building that relationship no. to know how to handle you in that manner. Does that make sense? Real totally quick, sense. by the way, Charlie, t- did I take a break yet or not? Or, or am I due for one, Charlie? Did I take a break yet or no? I need to take a break. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come right back. Great questions, by the way. Okay. So I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. These are good. We'll come back, answer a few more. If you got more questions for us, by the way, lines are open 303-477-5600. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Now's the time to take advantage of Geno's Napa Break Special. This month, get a $50 Napa prepaid Visa card with a qualifying Napa Breaks parts purchase of $250 or more. For over 38 years, Geno's Auto Service has been serving Littleton and customers along the front range. At Geno's, their team recommends checking your brakes every 5,000 miles. Stop in this week and they'll check your brakes for free. As members of Colorado Select Auto Care, the Geno's team will back up their work with Napa's nationwide peace of mind warranty. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop off your car and pick it up when ready. Geno's continues their public service work, partnering with Hands of the Carpenter and donating work on vehicles for single mothers or women in need. Check out all their Google reviews for a good snapshot of their business. They're AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon. Stop in or visit them online at genosautoservice.com. That's Genos with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Avoid the pitfalls with Kevin Flesh. Picture this. You're in court before a judge and jury trying to get the at-fault party's insurance company to cover your hospital bills. 
and the defense attorney pulls out your medical records. Comparing what you said to the police at the scene of your injury to what your doctor transcribed, you've contradicted yourself. You start to get nervous. You don't want to look like an idiot, but you simply don't recall what you said to the police. That was a long time ago. KLC's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law, prepares you for these kinds of questions so you never need to worry about what to say. Of course, the opposition will always try to call your credibility into question. But with Kevin Flesh, you always know exactly how to respond. Schedule a free consultation now at 303-806-8886. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law. Trial tested. Trial ready. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Steve Horvath, Geno's Auto Service. Dan, you are joining us as well today. And and Dan's asked, some, by the way, some really, really great questions, which I hope most of you are enjoying because, uh, honestly, these are things that probably a lot of people think of and never ask because they think they're dumb questions. And, by the way, these are not dumb questions. These are great questions because most people don't know these. Well, and I'm one that I, I've got to squeeze as many miles out of my vehicle as I possibly can. I mean, I, I've got a goal of getting 400,000 miles out of this Mazda. So – I am. You guys have talked me into this preventative maintenance thing so much. It's about all I think about. It so works. when it comes to the transmission, mm-hmm. we were. T- I don't know if we talked about this on air or off air. When you do the kind of driving I do, you put a lot of miles on. Like you say, there are highway miles, but I want to make sure I get the life out of that transmission. I want to get as many stinking miles out of that transmission as I can. I don't know what the manufacturer recommends for that transmission on that. Uh, 2016 Mazda CX-9. I don't and know. And honestly, in your world, I don't really care what the manufacturer says. Okay. I would probably be changing fluid in that every – in your in your world with the way you drive. This is not for everybody else listening that has the same vehicle. But in your world, uh, probably 80K-ish Okay, I would be doing it just because of knowing how you drive, how far you drive, and so on. A lot of other folks that are doing stop and go and a lot more in-town, in-traffic type driving, I'd probably say do it at 60. Okay. And the manufacturer is going to say 100 or more, and I'm going to say no. I've heard some of them say don't ever do it. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine. Some do. I cannot imagine. And some are having issues with some of their vehicles at higher uh, mileage than they probably – how do I want to say this? There are manufacturers out there that are having issues in some of these areas because they're telling people they can go basically forever, and yet the vehicles in that component are failing at you know 110 120 or even sometimes less than that depending upon the vehicle but curiously enough that's about when they end their warranty right interesting mm-hmm. so they're doing a hundred thousand or ninety thousand that's so they're they're actually punishing i've heard this from other people they're punishing their people if they do that service preventatively at 60 right and and voiding the warranty uh, even though even, even though, though it's making it better yeah. which by the way they would have a really hard time i think in court so let's so, just say this so say you trying cha- to avoid, let's yeah. just say you had your vehicle and it was still under warranty okay but you had went ahead and changed it prior to the hunt you know, say you had 100 say you have a 100k powertrain warranty 
and you change it at 60 and it fails at 80 and they come back and say, well, because you changed the fluid, you're, you're, we're now going to avoid that warranty. Uh, they'd have a hard time in court proving that that oil change damaged the transmission. I- what would be their reasoning behind that, saying that how can fresh oil damage anything? I, that's, I, I don't understand that logic. It's not so much the fresh oil. They're saying you'd be using the wrong that's what added, back added and say. type. Wrong what, oil. Wrong oil. They'll come back and say, even though you could have bought the stuff from but them that, and put it in, they'll tell you that. But that's why you use a company like BG. Right, because they'll back it up. They'll, oh, they'll say, you, okay. you, you said we used the wrong stuff. Well, we here's our science between what we've right. used. And so you have, you have a backup with, with BG in that they have your back in a way. And they've got, that's great you know, and not don't want to throw bg under the bus by any stretch of imagination but they will fight they've got attorneys and things like that just like the manufacturers have and they've done this enough they've been around the block enough to know what to say who to say it to and you know kind of what to do to get your claim handled let's just say it that way well that's really good to know because you know i run the the epr and the moa mm-hmm. and the 44k every at every oil change and they back it. all that up as well and that's really good to know so i got a picture real quick i know everybody out there listening can't okay. see this but dan that's the typical transmission filter that's that doesn't look like much of anything no it's kind of like a little pad it is <laughs> not much of <laughs> and anything some, and by the way that's one that's got more filtration than a lot because a lot of them are nothing more than a very 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 fine screen like what you'd have in your screen door oh so really? i'm not okay. exaggerating it'd be like uh think of let's see think of something that probably is a little thicker than a nylon but has about that same sort of a look to it being in your transmission as a screen Am I right, Steve? Mm-hmm. Not much different than yeah. that. Wow. It just... you, would just, you would just think they would do something better, but evidently they want to sell your transmission Well, and, down the and line by the way, you, they could design, because there are transmissions, Steve mentioned this, there's some Subarus, you know, Allison, for example, on their bigger truck, uh, you know, the, the Duramaxes and so on, they've got an actual spin-on filter. You know, my, my Ram has a spin-on filter. Uh, you know, so there are some vehicles out there that have spin-on transmission filters, but it's a rarity. It's not norm. But back to your, your point about the heat. Because that's really what kills transmissions. Yes, it's not as much the dirt. The dirt is not obviously not good, but the heat is what kills it. Right, it kills the fluid or hurts the fluid. Okay, so it. that that brings up questions. <laughs> so I do a lot of mountain driving. Mm-hmm. Huh? So what is and to try to save the brakes, I do the manual downshifting mm-hmm. going down the mountain. Sure. What am I doing to my transmission when I'm using that as a, as the brake? Nothing. Really. Nothing. Because man, it, it runs. But that's why some RPMs they, going. Like some of these trucks will add on an extra. Cooler, cooler. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess if you were doing that for a long, long, long period of time, uh, could it potentially heat up the transmission? Yes, but you know, I know enough about our mountains, and I drive it enough to where I know that you're still, you know, you're you're downshifting, then you're up, then you're down. I mean, you're not like in that lower gear forever no you know, you're in it for a few seconds here a few seconds yeah. there you pop it back you're yeah, doing it just to okay save to the do brakes because that, that's how yes. i do it to save the brakes yes. i watch the people around me their brake don't. lights are on all yeah, the way down the hill and they're they're hard on their brakes and yeah I, that's yeah. what i would think yeah no they are they're being very hard on the brakes and it's unnecessary you could do some some downshifting like you're saying now here's the other issue there are some people I'll just, I'll just say it. I'll be frank. There are some people out there that, frankly, have a hard time going A to B. I don't want them touching that stick on the transmission <laughs> when they're going down the mountain. No, you're right. Uh, yeah. I'm being That's honest. So true. I don't want to mess with it because so who knows true. what's going to happen. You God only know. knows. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, in that yeah, case, You know, yes. I put it in R for racing and all yeah, hell broke I, loose. You know, just... <laughs> There are those that I would just as soon have them with the hands on the wheel and the foot on the brake and call it good. Yeah. I'm being exactly. very honest. Mike and Aurora, you're next, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, Dan. Uh, John, I apologize if maybe you answered this question. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Direct, direct, yeah, directly or indirectly. 
Dan brings up a lot of good questions been nagging me about the automatic uh, transmissions. Uh, uh, when I got my car, a 13-year-old car about four years ago, I took it to Ken over at Tintec, and I asked him, and he checked the level and the color of the mm-hmm. transmission. Fluid. Sure. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, um, is there any way to know before it starts acting up uh, when the fluid should be changed? Other than doing what Ken did, no. If you get to the point where the transmission starts to act funny because we haven't changed fluid, we've gone far too long. So again, you know, looking at some of these components is, you know, part of what, you know, and it used to be we did this every three months or 3,000 miles because that's back in the day when we changed oil that often. Now we're doing it every six to seven to 8,000 miles. So typically, Mike, a couple of times a year, but that's where a really good shop that you have a relationship with is going to look at those things and look at that fluid. And, and we, do, we do all sorts of things. We, we put it on a piece of white paper, the fluid itself, I mean. We're sniff testing it. There's a lot of things we're doing to look at the fluid to tell you when is it time. We're also okay. going to different websites to show when it has been done lately. Right. So sometimes we don't have your records, but we can look on, on the Carfax Carfax, records. things like that, exactly. So tell us when it's been done last. Right. Okay, well, I haven't asked Ken, and he hasn't mentioned that he's done it. So maybe I should ask him. If there's ever a doubt, and by the way, it's for everybody listening, and there's not a provider, including Steve, that would argue with me here. When in doubt, ask. And nobody's going to be mad at you for asking, Mike, ever. Okay. Yeah, I usually get my oil done uh, too. Yeah, and if you got any questions, you just you just you just ask. and what Ken's going to say, I can already attest it. To, you know, I can already p- take the words out of his mouth if you would. If he's got any doubt, he's going to say, "Bring it by and I'll look at it real quick." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's well. Yeah, I was unclear on that on that uh, specific. All right, then uh, I'll do that. Then. Great questions, by the way. No, Mike, thank you. I appreciate that very much. That's a that's a great question. Uh, the Parker Irishman is next. Welcome. How are you, sir? Pretty good yourself. I'm doing great. Thanks for calling, sir. I enjoy uh, your program. I listen to it as much as I possibly well, thank you. can. Thank you. Anyway, regarding uh, spin-on oil filters on transmissions, yes, on sir. automatic transmissions, I had a friend there in Ohio now, but he had a gas burn motorhome in the 90s with, on a GM chassis, and I believe it had an Allison transmission, but don't quote me. Okay. It had a spin-on oil filter. Wow. Wow! It did have one? Nice. And I, yeah, you know, I've got a forty-footer with an Allison in it, and it's got internal filters. You pull the pan, pull the covers off the bottom of the pan, and there's three filters in there. Okay. Two or three filters. Okay. And then another one. Yeah, you must have uh, a pretty good-sized motorhome. Just a 40. 40. Oh, it's a well, 40. Well, just a 40. Yeah, just, <laughs> just a 40. A 40. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. I like how you said that. It's just a 40. Of, yeah, it's kind of like driving my little Metro Geo around. Yeah, there, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but then when you pull up someplace and there's somebody in a 45 Prevo, then you Oh, yeah. Ball. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's that old saying. Okay. It's that old and saying. Maybe, there's always somebody with yeah. something bigger, better, That's faster, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the movie that somebody was in one time and they were underwater? It was sci-fi movie and he said there's always a bigger fish yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's right, that's right. <laughs> we, we need a bigger boat that's hilarious okay the next thing is on the gm chassis transmission and i'm this was uh in an 80s version so friends of ours had a 34 gas burner and they had a boat uh it was a probably 20 foot boat 
They were sitting on the boat ramp at Cherry Creek, and she happened to be in the motorhome, his wife. He went back, pulled the boat out, and it was sitting on an incline ramp, and the specs on that transmission say there's a certain max gross weight for park in that transmission to be effective. Well, they're sitting on the boat ramp in park, and he's out doing something with the boat, and it rolled back into the water. Mm. Now, can you tell me, on that transmission, and I don't know what it was, some of them I had read, when you put it in park, it set the parking brake. There was no pall in the transmission. Do you think that is a true statement? Possibly, yes. Yes. Because it rolled back into the water. Possibly, yes. I, that would not surprise me in that particular case. I doubt very seriously if the pall broke and then it rolled in. You, 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 they would have heard that. I mean, I've, I've actually one times, time yeah. experienced a pall breaking. I mean, all the years I've done this, I experienced one pall that broke in an what, automatic what transmission. It's what it's, it's, believe it or not, the only thing that holds a vehicle into park and keeps it from rolling, and this is going to sound really funny to everybody listening, is there is a a gear inside of the transmission that's got little square cogs. And the parking pole is nothing more than a little piece of typically cast, you know, poured metal. Cast iron of some sort? Yeah, it's not much, believe it or not. It, I mean, I, it's not very fancy. It's it's not a machine piece of steel. Let's just say that. Oh, it's geez. a cast piece of steel. It's on a pivot. And typically, they're anywhere from an inch and a half to maybe three inches long, depending upon the transmission. There's a little pivot that when you put it in park, it shoves one end of that down into that little square cog, and that's all that's holding it in. Okay, so now you've got me thinking, I better start using the parking brake on a hill. Yes, always, 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 always. Yes, yes, yes. But nobody knows that. And that's why when you hear, you know, when when you're on a big hill like that, and and some of you listening, where you then take it out of park and you hear this big clang, well, that's the pawl coming out of that little cog. It's the park ball okay. coming out of the cog. It's in, your, it's in your owner's manual. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I read that twice. <laughs> and, and by the way, the way you're supposed to do that is you pull up, and if you're going to set the brake, you put the you, you keep your foot on the main brake, you set the parking brake, then you go to park. You don't go to park and then put the brake. You put the e-brake on first, then you go to park, and then you do the reverse when you're leaving. Oh, that alleviates you a lot of pressure, You take it out of park, it? put it back into driver reverse, and then release the parking okay. brake. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. But, I never but yeah, that. but to your, but to your point, uh, Mr. Irishman, uh, I I would ve- I would venture to guess there was no Paul in that because otherwise you'd have heard some big bang. You know they would have at that time. Yeah, well, I don't know if his wife was tuned into noises. She was not. Yeah, and by the way, here's the other what... thing too that would happen: you would not have a slow descent into the water if the parking Paul broke. It would like it would just be like you just let the thing go into neutral and boom off into the water it goes. If it was a slow descent. What you said probably happened. I, I, as I recall, it was a slow descent. The people have moved to Nebraska, but anyway, they don't have the coach anymore either. But uh, that's what happened to them. And he wow. read someplace that all that that transmission did when you put it in park was it set to park and break. In that, in that particular no. case, is probably no. After you explained it, that's probably true. Yes, no. I would not doubt no. that. Okay, well, thank you very much. No, you're your good. Program. By the way, great story, and I appreciate that. Yeah, there, there's a lot here on the transmission side of the fence we probably should spend more time on even talking about because this, honestly, folks, this hasn't changed since mm-hmm. automatic transmissions became popular back in the 60s. This device that keeps them in park, 
it's probably smaller now than it was then. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I had no idea that's yeah, how they're it little was. dinky things. Oh my they're God. they're not much. I mean, you. If that's you, a lot of pressure. That's oh, a lot. It's of, a ton. I mean, okay, so how much does like a, like my SUV weigh? Approximately four thousand pounds, probably. So, and you're putting all that weight if you're parking it on the hill yeah. on that little gear to hold it there. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I just I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's Paul P A W L. By the way, for those of you that maybe want to look up and see what one looks like, you can. By the way, you can go to Google, type in "parking Paul," and uh, there's there's tons and tons of images. I'll show Dan here in a minute what they look like, but they're they're really not. I mean, it's just a little, it's just a little cog. You know, it's not. Much and in some cases, you know, if, depending upon how they're made, there's just one little tooth on the parking Paul that's setting into the output shaft of the transmission itself in some cases it's really just a it, like quarter a inch bench. little yeah, nipple that's actually you know going it, down into the cog is all it's nothing no and that's why when you put it in park sometimes your car rolls a little bit because yeah. it's, it's finding that it's finding that little it's finding the next cog <laughs> i'm serious i mean and well, some, that's right but it, it seems so goofy oh but, it, it really does seem so antiquated but does. that's still how we do it but that, you know they got that train that goes up to pike's peak it's on a cog, cog too. Train. <laughs> it's the same yeah, same principle yeah and, and the parking poles are yeah, if you saw an image of one, and, and you know, and by the way, they're made out of all material. By the way, some of these are made out of cast. I'm looking at some. There are some now that look like they're actually either stamped or they're they're more machined, which maybe make them a little bit tougher. Some, though, believe it or not, are are still very flimsily made. Is probably the best way for me to say that. Now, I will say this: the failure rate of these is nil. It really is. Even with all of the people that park on a hill and just shove it into park, and they do all the, they do all sorts of testing and stuff on these, and you know for the most part, they don't fail. You you never you rarely ever no. hear about one failing. It's amazing, actually. It actually is it's totally amazing. I mean, it's one of those items that when you look at vehicles and you think this is all that's keeping <laughs> this vehicle from rolling down a you know. 15 degree incline or 10 degree incline and killing everybody behind it we're relying on a quarter inch piece of steel or you know you would you know, use your cast. break every time uh, you yeah because you when you think of it it's pretty scary it's really scary the only thing keeping well and that's why they tell you and this is real quick i've seen people make this mistake lately and i'm not sure why because they never have ever ever i guess maybe you read the the instructional manual on how to get a driver's license but you're supposed to <laughs> When you're on a hill like that, even a little bit of an incline, if there's a curb, yep. you are supposed to, by the way, turn the steering wheel away from the curb if you're going backwards down the hill, and yep. you turn it into the curb if you're going down, down yep. into it. Now, I've seen the opposite here lately where people have the wheels turned the totally different direction where if that thing did pop out, it's driving right into traffic. Yeah, why do we? <laughs> I'm just like, really? Come on now. I know. Just a little bit of common sense. I, just a touch. Uh, I think it's no. all gone. Steve, it you're up next. What's going on, sir? Good afternoon, sir. John, quick comment. Yes. On the emergency parking brake, we have a, like a slight two-and-a-half-degree incline on the driveway. Yes. And it's taken a 10-year re-education process. And I'm going to go one step further. I have finally trained the chairman to pull up, brake on, and then pull the parking brake, and then make sure it doesn't roll, then go into yes. park. Yes, yes. Unless you want to pull a whole bunch of expensive transmission costs, Yes. which I've never had to replace a transmission, but I have had on both the chairman and the daughter's car. But <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you say, a little tiny piece of metal, that parking hall. It, 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 it really, I mean, again, you go look at, you know, just go Google it and then go look at the images, folks. 
uh, even for me, it's kind of a reminder of, yeah. yeah, this is the only thing there that's keeping this, you know, in my case, depending upon the size of the truck you're driving, this 6,000-pound rig from right. rolling down the hill. That's you, it. Or, or your $30,000 or $60,000 vehicle from that's smashing it. into something else. That's it. Yeah, it ain't much. Then last thought, we had talked quite some time ago, I think, about soap oil analysis, spectroscopic oil analysis yeah, program. Yes. And I know it's a little pricey for multiple vehicles, like maybe 180 200 bucks. But it's kind of like doing a full blood panel on your body. True. Because that shows everything, silica, heavy metal. Yep. Exempted, huh? And yeah, it tells you if you've got any premature bearing wear or anything along those lines. No, it's, it's right. a great tool. And it shows, I mean, it, it will prevent engines now. We'll rebuild, what, five, seven grand on a lot of cars. <laughs> that's that's on the mild side, Steve. Sorry, that's for a used one. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you, there's very few engines today. That's something else we haven't mentioned for a while, Steve. The prices have shot up. There's there's hardly an engine today you can do for less than 10k. Well, that makes it even more productive because yep. you know, all right, it sounds like a lot times multiple vehicles, 180, 200 bucks, but it's been so successful in uh, both piston and turbine aircraft engines that I'm really a big believer in. You know. Yeah, I agree. No, you're, you're spot on. No, it's, it's something that really, and by the way, if you really want to know how far can your vehicle go on each individual maintenance item, that is the way to tell. There's no other way of Absolutely. knowing. And so. it will save you a bunch of money, and in the case of aircraft, save some lives. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, in yep. fact, thanks, Steve. And, and I'm guessing on the aircraft side of the fence, they do a lot more of this than what yeah, we they, do on the they, automotive they side. Especially when you're injured, you can't pull. You can't overall. pull over up there, can you? No, you know, they have not left one up there they yet. Have, they haven't figured that they're out just, yet, have no, they? they? They always find their way back down. Okay, so I got a question for you, real quick, that okay. I want to ask when we come back. Okay, the, on airplane side, that just happened oh. recently. I want okay. to ask. Okay, we'll come right sure. back. Don't go anywhere. Lines are open, by the way. 303-477-5600. Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Kins and Leslie distributing your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. This week, we're going to talk about the driveline components in your car, specifically the fluids in the driveline components of your car. Manufacturer recommendations for maintenance on these fluids vary significantly according to the year, make, model, and most importantly, the driving conditions. Most manufacturers list severe driving conditions as mountain driving, stop-and-go traffic, cold weather driving, hot weather driving, or towing and hauling loads. By my count, I've experienced all of these conditions just this week. So, how do you know when to service the fluids in your transfer case or differential? Our recommendation is to replace any fluid before the fluid has reached a point of failure. For driveline components, we recommend a 30,000 mile interval with our gear oils and limited slip additives. Many gear oils will show significant signs of shear breakdown and oxidation well in advance of 30,000 miles and should be serviced prior to the point of failure in order to protect your driveline components. So, to ensure that your mountain driver, toy hauler, or traffic sitter stays trouble free and fun to drive, Replace your gear oils with a high-quality gear oil every 30,000 miles and take full advantage of all the great outdoors of our wonderful state. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG Products. We'll talk to you again next week. Call Novus Auto Glass as soon as you notice a chip or crack in your windshield so they can save you more money. 
Novus Auto Glass wants to help you save more money by repairing chips and cracks whenever possible. With their patented glass repair technology, Novus can tackle tougher cracks than the competition. In some cases, they can repair cracks up to a foot long, but you have a much better chance at getting a repair when you act fast. Glass repair is more complicated than you think. Something as simple as going through a car wash could make your little chip or crack unfixable. No matter what sort of damage you're dealing with, though, there's never any risk with a Novus repair. Should your windshield repair fail, they will credit the cost toward a replacement. Novus works with all insurance companies, and for those without windshield coverage, Novus will give you a discounted cash price. It's simple. Novus Autoglass saves you more money. Visit drive-radio.com slash Novus now and find the windshield repair expert nearest you. Novus Autoglass, the inventors of windshield repair. Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance offers a rebate program unlike any other. Every year that you don't file a claim, you get a certain percentage of your money back. Just one example of how Paul Lewinberger, the personal insurance agent of John Rush, keeps your rates so low. He rewards his customers for their diligence and responsibility. Paul can also help you strategize about when to file a claim and when to pay out of pocket so you save more money in the long run. You don't want to shop online for insurance because you have no idea what you're buying. You need Paul Lewinberger with American National, the no surprises insurance agent. Call 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. And ask Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance for details about his unique rebate program for home and auto insurance. Talk to somebody with the expertise to advise you so you get the coverage you expect. It's time to get out the grill for some all-natural mouth-watering meats raised right here at home from Barber's Foods. For over 70 years in Colorado, Barber's Foods has stayed true to their mission to provide their customers with only the highest quality organic, antibiotic-free meats from family farms they know personally. So whether you're buying beef, bison, pork, or poultry, they know where it's coming from and the families who raise the animals with care and respect. Place your order now at barbersfoods.com or call 303-466-7338. Pick up your order at the Denver Warehouse, located at I-70 and Brighton Boulevard near the National Western Center, or for those in the Denver metro area, Barber's Foods will deliver direct. Colorado-sourced bison, organic grass-fed beef, USDA prime beef, purebred wagyu, slow-raised non-GMO duroc pork, free-range chicken, non-GMO turkeys, and more. Barber's Foods, 100% Colorado native-owned and operated. Barber'sFoods.com. All right, welcome back to Drive Radio. We got way behind on break. So, Steve, hang tight. I'm going to ask Dan one question, let him go, then I'll go to a quick break, get caught back up because I got behind. We got to okay. having fun. It was good. Oh, it's been Okay, a so Thank the you. last crash that we saw <laughs> at Centennial. At Centennial. Yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen? Okay, so the guy in the Cirrus, uh-huh. which is the, 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 little the, plane. the little plane, okay, he was flying way too fast in the pattern. As a matter of fact, he was only about 10 knots below the speed limit for that altitude. Oh. And so he, what he did is they got really tight parallel runways at, at Centennial. Uh-huh. He went wide, what they call wide on final. And he never saw the Metroliner. As he was turning wide on final, he's a low-wing airplane. He, but when you bank it, you, all of a sudden you lose your vision. So he basically just flew right into the Metroliner. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. You know, coming into the pattern. Okay. And, and what's really interesting is the air traffic controller told him, you've got traffic, don't go wide on final. But he did anyway. He, he was going too fast. So it was a pilot error. Well, he couldn't, yeah, he it was couldn't, pilot error. Yeah. Oh, he couldn't slow. Yeah, there's no brakes. 
No, well, well, the thing of it <laughs> was no is that you, you enter. He was way above what even Cirrus says you fly the pattern at. Uh, okay. So he should have been down. He was at 190 knots. He should have been down around maybe 130 knots. Uh, 100. Okay. You know, then you can you don't take up as much real estate when you bank that turn. Uh, okay. So yeah, all right. So that's okay. what happened. I'll let you go. We'll get all caught right. up. Thanks, Steve, guys. hang tight. Dan, thanks. It's always fun. Thank we'll you. be right back. Drive Radio KLZ 560. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one, stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person, ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold Certified Auto Care Shop and employs ASC Certified Technicians. So don't be that guy, and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555, or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. All right, right to the phones we go. Steve in Wheat Ridge, you're next. What's going on, Steve? Hi there. I remember hearing a lot of stories and stuff back in the late 80s or early 90s about Audis and how they were supposedly in parking and jumping out of gear and injuring people and uh, and uh, people getting hurt and stuff. Or I think a couple of people got killed. But anyway, my understanding was that the government passed some sort of law that mandated that all the manufacturers make that much, much, much stronger and everything. Now, did somebody lie about that? No, I think the result of that one was, sir, you had to have your foot on the brake to put it into gear. I think that's what came yeah, out of well, the, the Audi 5000 deal back in the day because they had a, a, a – I think the gas pedal and brake pedal were really close or something, so you could kind of yeah. slip in and accidentally if you were in, in gear. So this way you couldn't move that gear shift without having your foot physically on the brake. I'm pretty sure that's. Yeah, I knew there was that. something. Yeah, because I don't, because I don't, I'm, Steve, I'm, I don't think because honestly, some of these transmissions that we're using today, the basic design of them, frankly, hasn't changed in eons. Well, the thing is, I heard you say that some of them and stuff are kind of flimsily made, but I've watched some videos on on the internet with this guy out of Amarillo Precision Transmission, and I see him tear down some of these transmissions, and some of the transmissions that looks like that part where it positive locks and stuff to take and hold it in part looks like it's in stuff 
pretty strong and stuff. So, and then, like I said, I heard you guys say it was flimsily made. So, I'm like I said, I don't depends. I, yeah, and I, and I was just looking at a bunch of images and even showing Dan you know, during the break. It depends on the transmission. Some are a little bit more robust. Is probably the best way for me to say it. But keep this in mind: even the ones that are quote unquote more robust, they're still only like a quarter inch nipple holding everything together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's still it. Okay. I mean, and, and even the cog that it's fitting into. I mean, to me, Steve, it's still, it's just, I know it's engineering and mathematics and all of that, but to me, it's still amazing that you can hold back a, you know, six, 7,000 pound truck with a, you know, quarter inch or so piece of steel. Yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. And it's amazing to me still. Anyways, anyways, no, good point. I appreciate that, Steve. Thanks very much. Uh, Craig and Wheat Ridge, we got about a minute or so. If I don't get everything answered, we'll, we'll take you at the top of the hour as well. Go ahead, sir. Hi, John. Good to hear Dan again. Yes, it is. Good stuff. Um, question, I'm still looking for a tow vehicle, and I went and looked at a 2008 Ford F-150 with the 5.4 Triton V8. Okay. What do you think of that truck and the transmission? Oh, by 08, they had gotten better. They had a different plug configuration, spark plug configuration, that was a little better for uh, the uh, the problem that they had prior was the spark plug threads would... You know, basically, they would they weren't made well enough, and they would uh, basically get stripped, and the plug would come shooting out of the hole, and it was an expensive repair. By 08, that got better, although the 2008s still have to have spark plugs changed more frequently than what the factory says, or you can't get them out of the head. And so on a pre-inspection report, if you've got a mechanic that looks at it... They need to be pulling a spark plug to make sure they come in and out of the, the hole okay. Yeah, so they're not seized. Correct. And it's okay, not it's else? not even seized. What happens is that they're a long reach plug. The tips get all carboned up, so they'll come out three or four or five threads even, but it's that remaining part that gets all screwed up Stuck and messes up the threads. Yeah. yeah. That's what they call it, what, a coilover design? The coil well, they're a coilover plug anyways, and they were even on the other ones I just talked about, but that one has a long reach spark plug. They changed the design a little bit on those, and again, they eliminated that thread, you know, popping out all on its own, but they... Didn't they? They still made a mistake because the plugs are long reach. They get carboned up, and if you leave that carbon on there and then try to extract that plug out, you screw the threads up again, anyways. Yeah, there's a little tip on the end of that spark plug that kind of gets stuck in there. Right. Okay. And, and, I'll, uh, and then I might call back uh, later in the show after the hour with my thoughts on uh, Indy. I'll, I'll just you know I'll, we're we're getting close to the top of the hour. Craig, hang tight. We'll just leave you on hold. Don't go anywhere. Steve and Colorado Springs as well. Hang tight. We'll come right back, guys. We're close enough to the top of the hour. I'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. Don't forget, lines are open. 303-477-5600. Question of the day is, what's your favorite war movie? Myself, Steve Horvath, Gino's Auto Service, Charlie Grimes, our engineer, and Larry Unger answering phones. We'll be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ five sixty. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive radiocom Email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.